What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Big Red Express. Joining me at this time is a guy who has many hats in his life right now. He is a dad. He is a husband. He is the head coach founder of Underdog Athletics. He's the owner of Dynamics Fitness in New York City, man. Coach to the stars, it seems like. The current head coach of the U.S. Functional Fitness Team for the IF3, Justin Kotler, how are you? I'm good, man. How you doing, Robbie? It's I'm good doing. To see you, bro. I'm doing well, man. It's been a long, long time since we've connected. Yeah, it's true. Um, true. but man, it's just been. It seems like it's just been business as usual for you. It seems like things are crazier, busier than ever. Um, we're obviously right in the middle of of things with you. How are things going with your athletes with Carrie? How's everything going? It's good, man. Uh, we're we're right in the thick of it right now. You know, we're um prepping for west coast classic right uh so i've got carrie pierce bethany shadburn daniel brandon matt lugos and tola morquinos i got five athletes that are competing at west coast classic uh the week before i've got an athlete competing uh down in at the brazilian crossfit championship but it's online okay um but he's down in argentina um so we're we're busy um you know uh but it's it's awesome you know uh They've released a couple of the workouts, so we've already started playing around with some stuff, um, which is cool. But, you know, man, it's, it's you know, taking care of the athletes, and we got two kids, and, you know, uh, running underdogs athletics. For sure. Know, it's, it's busy, but it's awesome. Every, everything is great. Let's, let's talk about a little bit just kind of the dynamic. Obviously, you are are coaching athletes that are going to be doing the virtual semifinal and as well as the in-person semifinal. How do you approach that as a coach? I know a lot of people say, obviously, it's a different mindset because being virtual, you're kind of in your own element. You can kind of control the settings around you when you're in person. A lot of people get fired up for that, just the crowd and all that stuff. How do you as a coach approach that in terms of an athlete and how do you tell them how to go into a quarterfinal and a semifinal that's virtual and then a semifinal that's in person? Right. You know, I think what's been positive about that this year is the fact that we've had two stages that have been online. Right. So people have a little bit of experience and, and, you know, listen, there's no substitute for experience. So you've got athletes who have a little bit of experience now having to do well in the open to get to quarters and then having to do well in quarters to get to semis and quarters definitely, um, you know, brought a higher level of pressure, you know, I was considerably more competitive getting to semis. Um, And, you know, I think all the athletes would love to be competing in person. I don't Mm -hmm. think there's any question about that, but, but obviously where we are in the world, of course, COVID, you know, it is what it is. Um, But uh, Nicholas, who who will be competing, uh, you know, online, he, he won, uh, semifinal. He won quarterfinals in uh, in South America. Okay, and he finished. He finished first. Yeah. Um, and I I think we were we were really um, meticulous and diligent about about taking that weekend very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking that it was a good possibility that South America would have to go online for semis right. because of all the problems they're having with COVID. Uh, and his goal was to win it so that he could really feel confident going into sure. semifinal weekend, doing an online competition and being like, you know what? I've already won this against these same athletes. So yeah. I feel confident there. 
Um, I think one of the things that's been challenging is we haven't gotten a lot of information from CrossFit about how they're going to run the online. Like, are are they providing judges? You know, are you allowed to have uh, people in the gym cheering for you? Like, there's there's some open-ended questions that we still have that we don't know. Um, So that's been a challenge. And that's crazy. That's crazy because we're only a couple weeks away from those online online competitions. Yeah. And, and it makes it hard, man. And I get it. Like, I think you've got to create a, a, you've got to have a little bit of leniency there in the sense that like you're dealing with a changing world every week, you know? Um, so, so we're doing the best that we can. And, and essentially you just gotta, you've got to remember no matter what the situation is, all the other athletes are dealing with the same thing for sure. And everybody's on an equal playing field. And it's, it's one of those things where you've got to try to keep that mental toughness and positivity there so that when you go in, you're not frustrated about the process. Right. So, so let's yeah. talk, let's talk, let's flash back a little bit to last year right in the middle of everything we're we're kind of hopefully toward the end of things you know we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with in-person competitions right now but last year that was out of the question last yeah. year people that had qualified for the CrossFit Games had to go through a another stage technically a semi-final type of atmosphere for the first stage of the CrossFit Games before the top five qualified you obviously had some athletes in that realm of having to qualify online. How was that to get your athletes kind of in the mindset? They were, I mean, we were, it was week by week. We didn't even know if the CrossFit games were even going to happen. How was that for you as a coach? And then what you're telling your athletes, this is new territory that nobody's been through. Nobody's had to deal with. How were you able to, as a coach adapt and then have your athletes adapt as well? Yeah, it was a tale of, you know, for me last year, it was like two sides of the story. I, I, I had three athletes that qualified for the games um, the way they were originally set up. Right. Um, that then got their invitations taken away because of COVID. So it yeah. was a very, it was very disappointing to, to see that happen to athletes who had achieved, you know, that ultimate, it reached the pinnacle. For sure. And then, ha- and then have it taken away. Um you know, and then I had I had an athlete who who won the the thirty five to thirty nine masters qualifier, and then they took away the masters right. games. So that was really that was a really challenging part of it. But luckily, you know, uh, Carrie had qualified top twenty through the open, and so she was able to compete in stage one. Mm-hmm. And and really, what we did, which I think was a was a really cool um, idea, Carrie's manager. Uh, Cooper Marsh, who who represents Carrie and Bethany and Danielle. Yeah, he had come up with the idea that maybe let's try to get all the ladies together. The CrossFit wouldn't allow them to compete at the same time, right? Okay. So, like at, at three, two, one, go, they couldn't do the workouts together, right? But they could do the workouts in the same gym successively, right? right? So right. you could have one person go and then the next person. So you you were able to kind of feed off the energy and mm-hmm. get an idea of good scores and this and that. So we went to Sacramento. We we're already living here in, in Vegas and training, and and you know there is a bit of elevation here in yeah. Vegas, um, and uh, and it was really hot, you know, at that time. And we were thinking, you know, okay, might be a good idea to go to sea level. And so Cooper put this thing together where we we all went to Sacramento to uh, to at the time where Danielle was training. And the ladies were able to feed off of each other, and I think it was uh, invaluable. And right. then the second day. 
I think Bethany and Danielle kind of knew they just, they, they were out of it for the top five. So they really, I mean, I can't tell you, it was almost like teamwork to be able to help Carrie get to the next round. You know, they, they went first, they did the workouts prior to Carrie so she could see, you know, some good numbers. Um, it gave us an idea of, of strategies and whatnot. And uh, they really kind of worked as a team to get to the next level. Um, so that was huge and, and made a, made a massive difference as far as, you know, getting carried to stage two. You're talking about, you know, just the teamwork through all your athletes, obviously all of your athletes probably have a very close relationship with you and each other. How important is that? I mean, these are athletes that maybe don't see a lot of each other to begin with. I mean, maybe they're total strangers when they come together with you as their coach. How important has that been to just build those relationships over the years Obviously, a proven method, you know, just from your history and your resume of what you've been able to do through the fitness world. How important is it for you to gain those relationships with the athletes and then the athletes gaining the relationships with each other to help each other, like in a stage one last year at the CrossFit Games? You know, I always say that I think the most important part of the coach athlete relationship is trust. Yeah. Um, so for me, establishing that trust right off the get go um, is enormous. And I mean, the, the, my, my athletes know, you know, that I'm no matter what, like they can count on me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm just that type of a coach. Like for me, it's not a business relationship for sure. You know, for me, it's, it's very personal and I get emotionally invested and it's just the way I am. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and not everybody's like that. And, and for some coaches, it works more as a business relationship for me. I, I don't know how to do that. So, right. you know, and, and I think that they respect the fact that, that I get so emotionally invested and I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Um, but it's been interesting since we've, you know, since we've been here in Vegas and since the athletes have moved here to Vegas, since we've had several of them move here, um, it's been an amazing thing to watch, to see the support system that they have. And they understand at the end of the day, like they're going to be competing against each other. Um, but on a daily basis, there's a, there's, there's this bond that's been created. I think a respect, you know, for, for that fellow athlete with them together and they're both trying to get to higher level and they know that together we're creating an environment that they just couldn't recreate by themselves for sure there's no way to create that intensity and competitive atmosphere by yourself definitely um you know so i think that they understand that that you know they're while they're competing they want to kick the other one's ass you know what i mean at the same time that other person is helping them get better so there there creates this bond there that you know that without question you see it on a day-to-day basis and i think you see that in a lot of professional sports in terms of individual sports i mean when they're out there i mean i think golf is a big example of that i mean they all respect each other for the most part i mean there's a couple guys that don't like each other but i think you know for the most part you're all kind of out there trying to, you know, beat each other. But at the end of the day, you're all playing the same game. You're all trying to, you know, get to the top and you have to have that respect. And I think that's the same thing with the athletes that you're training or just any athletes. And I think also that's something that's very unique to the CrossFit realm of things in the fitness realm is everybody is cheering everybody on. We talk about it so much about how the last person to finish is the person that gets cheered the loudest. Everybody cheers for everybody, and it's just a unique environment that we get to see on a day-to-day basis, and I'm sure you get to see with your athletes every day. 
Yeah. And I mean, listen, as an affiliate owner, right? Like I, I, for, for years and years, that's the case in the gym. And I think it goes all the way up to the elite level. Right. Know? I mean, without question. Um, and I, I, I think without question also, what's cool about CrossFit is yes, you're competing against the person next to you and, and you want to beat that person, but it's most of the time it's you against the workout. For right? sure. Like, so ultimately speaking, like you, if you play someone else's game, yep. you're, you're, you're going to fail. Right. Right. Like it, there's, just, you know, you could get caught up in what someone else is doing and, and then, you know, you're, you're screwed essentially, yeah. you know, so it's you versus the workout. And, and at the end of the day, it's, you know, may the best person win, but, For sure. but ultimately speaking, you know, in a training environment where you're seeing somebody like, you know, I would say like, you get to see Carrie or you get to go up against Carrie every day. And Carrie's just one of those athletes that even if I tell her, Hey, Carrie, like today, I want you to kind of dial back the intensity. Right. That, that, that she's just a, she's a, listen, she's a silent assassin. Right. Like, you know, right. like that's just the way it is. For you sure. know, she's, she sees somebody next to her walking down the street. She wants to be a step ahead. Like that's just the way it is. And, and it, it, it raises everybody else's level, right? Like, it, I, it's a funny story real quick. And I, so Tola came out here, uh, it was in January. I think he, he came out to visit okay. to kind of see whether or not he wanted to move out to Vegas. Right. And he jumped into a workout with Bethany and with Carrie and with Danielle and they started the workout. Right. And I think that the workout started with toast the bar or, or pull-ups or whatever. Right. And the GHDs were, there was the next movement was GHD sit-ups and they were in the next room. Okay. Right? And when they got off the bar, the girls sprinted to the <laughs> next room, right? The transition. Right. To get to the right. Next room. Tola looked at me and just did this with his eyebrows. Like, like what? <laughs> and after that workout, he came over to me. He's like, yeah, I got, I got to come out here. He's like, I would like mosey my way For into sure. the other room if I was by myself and these girls are getting off and sprinting and there's just no way for me to recreate that. You right. Know? Um, so that's a good example of, of what, you know, of what it's like every day. And so not only, you know, looking at that and the, just the competitive and the, the nature of the beast when it comes, but talking about Carrie, she's almost like that. Amer- the top American athlete that you never hear about. She's never talked to me. I mean, she she's talked about. Obviously, she gets to the game. She does her work. She does what she needs to do. But how is how does she react to that? Does she pay attention to the the people that don't pay attention that don't have her in the predictions for the top five, top ten, the top American woman coming into the CrossFit Games? Does that affect her mentally at all? You know, I I think what's awesome about Carrie is that she's is she's just the steadiest toughest athlete that right no um she never gets too high she never gets too low you know she she doesn't let those type of things affect her though i know in the past that it's probably riled her up a little bit Definitely. You know, at least given her a little bit more motivation um i will say though i feel that after she finished on the podium this past year i feel like she solidified her legacy in the sport. Agreed. Like w- right now, and I'm not saying in the future because obviously there are some phenomenal young Americans with with Haley and 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 you know and the girls coming up with definitely Mal and Emma, you know and and 
so so you don't you never know what's going to happen at the end. But right now, if you look across, you know, the entirety of of competitive CrossFit, uh, Carrie, in my opinion, is the top American female that's ever laced the shoes up. You know, agreed. Um, she's got she's got five top tens, three top fives, and a podium finish yeah. in the last seven years, which you'd have to say like, you know, those are the, that's the Katrin Tia years yeah. where the, the competition has just been next level. Right. And it's, I mean, like, it's, it's crazy. Cause like you said, you know, the women have been more of the international side in terms of the strength, a lot more international women, but on the men's, it's the complete opposite. It's right. almost been dominated by, by Americans on yep. the men's side. So to have that, and you get the the big names like the Brooke Wellses and, and those names that kind of come out of the American, but like you said, Carrie's been in this for, you know, five, six years, and yeah. she's been up at the top, if not the top American, almost every year since she yeah. came on the scene. And that's yeah. just an impressive feat, especially when you're talking about the com- competition now, especially with Tia kind of doing her thing and taking over. But how... How was it last year for her to go and only compete at the CrossFit Games against five people? You obviously go through stage one, you qualify, you know you're going to the CrossFit Games, but you're not going to qualify and you're not going to compete against 20 to 40 people. You're going to compete against five people. That's it. You're either first, you're second, you're third, you're fourth, or fifth. There's not a big jump off in between. How was that going in? We'll talk about the last event here in a minute because I think it was one of the most incredible performances in CrossFit Games history. Just to watch her that, I was watching it with my in-laws. They were impressed the entire time. Not a big CrossFit watching family, but (laughs) man, let me tell you just the the grit. We'll We'll talk about that in just a minute, but how was it going in, the mindset, the training, only knowing she's only going to go up against five other women, four other yeah. women. Yeah. You, you know, I think stage one was definitely a lot more pressure, right? Like our goals, obviously, you know, since we've started to, to work together uh, have been to, to podium. Right. right. Um, and, and we, so we had set that goal, obviously, beginning of the year, and who knew what was going to happen? It was a crazy year, definitely. But when we finally saw, okay, listen, CrossFit, it looks like things are going to happen, and here we go for stage one, et cetera. I mean, blind leaderboard. You're not sure how everyone around the world is doing, you right? Know, every time they would publish, you'd be like, okay, this is where we are. Okay, this is where we need to go. And going into that final workout of stage one, she was in seventh, mm-hmm. and she had to climb up to fifth. And I think that was by far the most pressure that we felt the whole year. Definitely. Was like, is it enough, right? Did we get to where we, because I can tell you right now, it would have been a really disappointing year if we hadn't gotten in the top five. Right. Um, and then once we got, once we got out to California, I, you know, it was a really cool experience. It was very tight knit. I think there was a, a lot of bonding between the athletes and the coaches and, you know, coaches with coaches and all this stuff. But you know, we were there for, to, to do a job and, and our goal was, uh, was obviously the podium. Um, and it was back and forth the whole weekend. But the great thing about Carrie is again, just so consistent, you know, there was never a point mentally where I looked at her and I was worried about her not being able to perform. Definitely. The, the, the programming comes up and it's something that we're, it's just not in her wheelhouse. That's a different story. Right. right. But, but I, I, she was, and she was kind of within striking distance of that podium the entire weekend. Definitely. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a really cool environment. And once we got there, once stage one was finished, 
you know, there was that focus there and, and, you know, she kept it until that last event, which she said, which was just incredible. Yeah. So going through the whole weekend, it's been a tiring, taxing weekend, obviously mentally, physically for all these athletes, never having to compete against just four other athletes. I mean, the stakes are high. The points are high. She gets into that last event, needing a very good, if not a first place finish to get to the podium. Yeah. Atalanta, she's firing out the gate. Talk to us about that mindset going into this workout when it was released, when Dave Castro was teasing it as the, the hardest workout in CrossFit Games history. How did you as a coach and how did Kerry react to it? And then once it was announced, what was your game plan going into that event? And obviously the game plan paid off tremendously, regardless of what it was, she knocked it out of the park. Yeah. You know, I, I think no matter what the workout was, wh- whatever he said, we kind of knew what we had to do. Yeah. Um, she knew that she had to finish. Um, she, she had to at least finish two spots ahead of Haley. Okay. Um, so if she finished, if she won the workout, we needed Haley to finish third. But if she came in, in second, then we needed Haley to come in fifth, just the way that the points were. For out. sure. So yep. essentially, like, let's win the damn workout. Right. right? Like, so... When he announced it, I think both of us looked at each other and were like, okay, this, this potentially is in your wheelhouse. You Definitely. Know, like it, it body weight movement, obviously you won Mary, right? Like, right. you know, running necessarily isn't her, her favorite, but at the same time it's with a vest and you can't be too aggressive on the runs right. uh, or else you're, you're going to just, you know, you're not going to have enough left for the stuff in the middle. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was immediately when it was announced, you know, we looked at each other. I didn't have to say a lot, you know, right. essentially I said to her, everything that you want, everything that you train for is right in front of you. Mm-hmm. And, and you just got to take it. Now we just got to go out there and you got to take it. And it was at that point, you know, it was just laser focus. And the, it was, it was a situation where she was not going to allow herself to fail or she was going to die trying. Right. Like, there right. was no question about it. For sure. And, you know, uh, what was interesting was, is when she started the run and she got out front on the first run, I was like, oh gosh, that <laughs> might not. But after the workout was over and we discussed it, we always kind of an- go through every workout, analyze, you know, see what we can learn. Right. She was like, I know that, I know that you were nervous. She's like, but honestly, it wasn't that I was going so fast. Mm-hmm. It was that everybody else was being a little bit cautious because of the middle. For sure. Um, Haley ended up beating her on the run, but only by about 10 to 15 seconds, yeah. which obviously in a mile run is not that big a deal, and right. especially with all the work in the middle. Um, and then Carrie took control of the workout after the handstand pushups, but Kat really pushed her hard on the, on the pull-ups yeah. and caught up. And, and when Carrie got off the pull-up bar, she only had about a 20-second lead on Kat. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, historically, Kat has been – she's been a killer on – percent. On, in long events and in runs at the game. She's right. been a killer. Right. And I'd say I was the most proud of Carrie uh, that, that, you know, uh, maybe that I've ever been on that second run where she oh, literally she just, uh, she, st- she just, she stuck the dagger in and she yeah. wouldn't let it go. Like she sprinted the first 800 meters. And she even said, she was like, listen, I didn't know if I was going to be able to hold it, but there was no way in hell I was letting anybody catch me. For sure. Like, you know, and, and she burned through that first 800 and, and then, you know, she won by a really nice wide margin. And, um, but I agree with you. I think it, it was the, probably the grittiest and guttiest 100%. performance we've seen, 
in any event in the history of the games. I mean, for, for especially what it meant, you know, right. like what was on the line. Definitely. Um, it was, it was just, it was awesome. It was so great. And like I said, watching it with people that don't really watch CrossFit that often, only know what CrossFit is because I married their daughter, you know, watching it with them, they were just so impressed with just how fast she was going. They were like, she's going to burn out. She's running weights. She's running way too fast. And I was like, I know she is, but I was like, she doesn't look like she's slowing down anytime soon. And yeah. it just, it seemed like she just had that, you know, that mindset, okay, I need to finish first. I need to go get it. And like you said, Katrin kind of was coming up. And I mean, she kind of came out of nowhere. It yeah. seemed like on those body weight movements, but just a, like you said, one of the most gutsiest performances I think we will ever see. And because of what it meant, I don't know if we'll ever see something mean as much as that did because of the year, because there was only five yeah. competitors things are, aren't normally that close when it comes to coming to the podium. Maybe a little bit there at the end, but normally when that the, the point spread is that big because you only have five athletes, right. most likely you're not going to have an event that that's, that's big. Let's, let's transition off of CrossFit and talk to uh, you about U.S. Functional Fitness, the IF3. How did you – I don't think we've ever talked about this. I know we've had you on before because of this when we when we met for the first year, the U.S. Championships out in Colorado and all that stuff. How did you get involved with the IF3 and the U.S. Functional Fitness Federation? So I was friendly with Gretchen Kittleberger. Right. Um, actually through GRID back okay. in the day because Gretchen had come to the first combines and, you know, was thinking about doing grid. And then obviously, you know, at the time she had a relationship with CrossFit and, and, and they weren't extremely happy about yeah. her competing in grid. Um, and so there was a big to do and she never ended up actually competing in grid, but we developed a relationship because we were interested in possibly signing her for the, for the DC brawlers for back sure. in the day. Yeah. Um, and then we just continued to be friendly. And when she had the idea about the IF3, uh, she reached out to me and um, asked me my opinion. And, and we talked a little bit about it. And, you know, I, I you know, gave her uh, some, some advice and whatnot. And she kind of kept me in the loop through the entire process. Mm-hmm. And then when, when, um, when nations were, were developing their federations, um, you know, she had said to me, do you think you might be interested in, in having a role? Uh, and so I was like, yeah, I definitely would. Um, and myself and at the time, uh, Josh Ploster and Mike Lee okay. kind of like, you know, right. um, started it off. And then, um, you know, it just turned out that eventually, you know, I became the head coach and, right. um, you know, we've, we've had, it's been really fun. Uh, you know, obviously COVID, you know, just like anything is, is kind of put a damper and everything, but you know, we, we had, uh, you know, a phenomenal time. I, we, three world championships we had one in California yep. and then, uh, and then the one in, uh, in, in London. London. And then the last one we had in Sweden, you know, they've all, they've all gotten bigger. They've all been a blast. It's been so much fun to be able to travel with the athletes, For sure. uh, you know, and, and we have individuals, we have teams, um, you know, and, uh, so I'm hoping, um, that, that things kind of get back on course with it. Uh, it's funny as it just before, um, I, j- I jumped on with you for the podcast, I yeah. was speaking to, um, the team manager, um, Mo yeah. and, you know, we were talking about what we're going to do for, uh, for, 
the um, qualifiers for for worlds essentially for yeah. the United States. Um, so we're just trying to figure that out. And then they're they're moving worlds. They were supposed to be in Australia, right? This year they're going to be moving it to Europe. We're not sure where, right? Um, but uh, and then next year is going to be in Russia. So it you know it seems like things are moving forward on an international level. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been tough to really, you know, if we're being transparent, it's been tough to gain traction in the U S right. Um, and I think a lot of that just has to do with, uh, with COVID, but also just with a lot of the changes in CrossFit. For sure. Um, you know, people have been really focused on what's going on in the CrossFit season. Um, and obviously this I, year also, I mean, it's just been a, I don't want to say the biggest year in terms of headlines for CrossFit, but probably the biggest year in terms of headlines for CrossFit, just because of everything that happened, the new management, Eric Rosa, Greg Glassman, you know, separating himself and selling the company and all that stuff. And that's going to obviously gain some new eyes because that's going to bring a lot of traction, a lot of attention in the mainstream. Yeah. But I think, you know, what's, I think what's great about the USAFF and what's awesome about the IF3 um, is bringing governance to the sport of fitness. 100%. And, 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 you know, essentially, you know, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to bring fitness to the Olympics. Right. Um, and to me, you know, CrossFit and, and the IF3, you know, it, it doesn't have to be adversarial. You right. know, they can kind of work together. Um, and, you know, the USAFF just offers, <laughs> athletes here in America, another opportunity to be able to compete. Right. Uh, you know, and once it gets, uh, and I believe it will once, once, um, you know, functional fitness, right. Receives, uh, the, the Olympic bid. And I think it will, I think we'll, I think we'll get the nod to be in the Olympics, uh, probably 2028. But, yeah. um, I, I do think that at some point it's going to be recognized in a, as an Olympic sport. Um, I think obviously then it'll be a lot easier to get traction. <laughs> right. You know, um, I mean, I think at that point, once you say, oh my gosh, there's an opportunity to compete in the Olympics, yeah. you know, that that's a game changer. So, 100%. you know, I, hopefully before then we, we gain more traction, but I really think long-term that it's, it's, it's going to, and it's going to, it's going to end up being very, very popular. I also think, you know, when it comes to the popularity of it in this country, CrossFit just in general as a sport is huge. And I think in other countries, you know, minus a couple countries here and there that obviously have a big following CrossFit, that's their chance to kind of make a name for themselves in their country. And it was so cool. I remember going to the first couple, you know, world championships and just seeing the pride in every single, you know, country that was there, not the U S I mean, there's a lot of pride in the U S but just the other countries that were there just having a great time. It almost just seemed like this was like, it felt like the Olympics. It felt like what it would be for the Olympics. And, and it's also cool to see athletes, not only for the U S but also for other countries that have grown and become big names in CrossFit themselves. I mean, just, just talking, I mean, one name that pops out to me is, uh, is Uldis Upadix from Latvia. I mean, he's a name that I feel like I see all the time. He's always near the top of the leaderboard. But he's one of those guys that I remember from the first national championships in California and how he just crushed the row event. And I don't know why I remember that, but I just remember he was one of those guys that I followed over the last five or six years, ever since the first year. And it's just been cool to see those athletes, you know, be a part of both organizations and know that both of these things can, can work together. 
Yeah. And I think you see right now, actually, you know, on the international side, especially like some of the Scandinavian countries. Right. I mean, it's unbelievable, like the the national support they're getting. You yeah. know, uh, you see Norway, you see Sweden, you know, they're getting national funding. They're getting, you know, it's all the things that I wish we were, we were able to get here. Right. You know, there's just so many sports here. hundred percent. You know, you've got, uh, you know, and, and right now it's, it's, you know, we're, we're still, we're just fighting to get some attention. Um, but I think ultimately we will. Uh, and I, again, I think it's, it's once we get Olympic consideration and, and eventually once it's recognized as an Olympic sport, you know, you, you're going to see that uh, I think the popularity will be massive here because of the popularity of CrossFit. I mean, ultimately, you know, it, it without question, um, at the, the wider the visibility on CrossFit, the better it is for, for functional fitness. For sure. You know? Yeah. And, you know, talking about just like a governing body, I think one of the biggest things that I know that I have a problem with when it comes to CrossFit and fitness and drone, and I think a lot of professional athletes and professional organizations, maybe not as much as like the big four sports in, in the world, is the whole drug testing policy and the, or the lack thereof or the kind of the, the privacy of it that yeah. CrossFit shows. Because I don't really see... And that's just something that I've that I've noticed over the years is CrossFit is very private when it comes to either releasing names, whether it's positive or negative. It just seems like they need to have at least one big name in the mix of things just to keep legitimacy up. What yeah. are your thoughts on that? And I mean, as a coach coming in, obviously you have to be careful because you're a coach. You're obviously taking very in consideration of what your athletes are taking, the supplements, everything that's going into their body. Not that you're technically responsible for because they are responsible for whatever's going in their body, but you have to keep a look at that in terms of not only your CrossFit athletes, but also your U.S. national athletes. Yeah, that's definitely nerve wracking. You know, I mean, I've had it happen to me in the past, you know, where, um, you know, I had an athlete who was competing and and he and his wife were trying to get pregnant and he was, you know, he was taking uh, something for fertility. And then it ended up being a banned substance yep. and, and he was suspended, you know? So it's, it's, it's definitely a worry. And it, it's always one of those situations when someone gets drug tested, you're just hoping that something wasn't tainted essentially. Right. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people have always had a little bit of an issue with, I mean, listen, it's a privately owned company, CrossFit, mm. right? Um, they, they use a private drug testing company, or I think it's drug sport or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, I think that's one of the really big positives of USAFF and IF3 yeah. um, is the fact that it's WADA, right? Um, or USADA. And, right. and it's something that, you know, it's, it's, people we, have heard of we don't control it right. right so so whatever happens happens and it mm-hmm. comes out and you know and I, i'm i'm not i don't necessarily listen i don't i don't think that that crossfit is withholding information right right but i think because of the way that it's done that there's always going to be people who say they are right um you know and i think it would probably help legitimize the sport if they didn't do everything in house for sure. Um, but I think there's a lot of things and I think that's just one thing, right? I think the way things are programmed, I think there needs to be a committee. I don't think one person should be in control. Yeah. You and, know, 
Definitely. There's a lot of there's a lot of things, man. I mean, you get me started with with now the 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 way that the the purses are being divvied up and, right. and the way that, you know, like there's just things that don't equal up, you know, right. to uh to what we consider to be a professional sport. Right. You know, and and I think all those things have to change. And I understand like there was a change in regime and there are things that, you know, they've got to get figured out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I really do believe that ultimately it's the athletes that are going to have to take a stand right. to say like, this needs to get done. This needs to get done. This needs to get done. I know there's an, a play, a player's association, right. but you know, I don't know, you know, the ins and outs of what's being done, and but I do know that it, that there are major, major changes that need to be made. And I know that's something that, that, you know, I know, Gretchen has been kind of trying to get the players union kind of off the ground with Brent Fikowski and that, but it's just so hard because there are so many athletes worldwide and it's almost like, okay, well, how do you establish who's allowed to be in the union? And that's something that I think a lot of people, when you're part of the players union for professional sports, if you're in the NFL, if you're in the MLB, you're a part of that union. If you are suited up, you know, for that team, for an individual sport, it's almost hard because it's hard to manage, okay, who's eligible to do it, and is it a year-by-year basis if you qualify for the CrossFit Games one year? What if you don't the next year? You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. can't imagine how difficult it is, and I don't think, I mean, when it comes to like an individual sport like the PGA, I don't think they have a union. I think it's just all, you know, whatever happens, happens, and that's obviously led to some issues down the road, but I got to think that's the same thing with CrossFit, trying to make a player's union Who's going to be eligible from year to year because you have so many new names and just so many people in general that may be eligible to join? Yeah, and I think they've got to figure it out. You know where where those those people are essentially elected by right. the athletes, one hundred percent. And I, and I also think you know I think one of the biggest issues, and it's always been an issue in CrossFit, is that you know like the glory of the games, right? Like, you know, we're doing it to compete to make you know for the glory of the games. And at the end of the day, the glory of the games is not going to pay your rent. Right. You know? Right. And, and it's not going to get you insurance. And mm-hmm. it's not going to like there have to be things in place that take care of the athletes. Because yeah. if we expect the athletes to train like professional athletes, for sure, then they have to be taken care of like professional athletes. Right. There has to be, you know, one through 50 or one through 100 or whatever it is who are able to make enough money from competition earnings 100%. to be able to make a living. It can't just be your social media influence. Like there has to be, that's part of it. And that right. should be gravy. Like that stuff should be the gravy, right? For sure. But, but competition earnings. And I felt like, yes, it was the wild, wild West, but the sanctional model yeah. was starting to go down the road of, oh, wow. Now, like people are able to start making some money right. outside of the CrossFit game. Yeah, like, this is great. Um, and now I feel like this season, with the with the model that they've now come out with, it's taken a step backwards. Hundred percent. You know, we've got to figure out how to get some of these big events in season. Yeah. Um, and have them count towards your qualification of the CrossFit Games. Right. Like Dubai should be in season. Right. right. A lot of places right. should be in season. These events that are paying a couple hundred thousand dollars yeah. to the top, you know, five to ten athletes, yeah. that that should be in season Agreed. so that these athletes are able to compete for a season, they make money, and then they actually have an off season where they can rest, right. recover, they can train for the next season, et cetera. 
all the big paying events other than the CrossFit Games are outside the season. Right. Um, and, and so then you never have an off season yeah. and then it affects the shelf life of the athlete, but there's, you know, that there's, that's gotta come from the athletes. Some of the top athletes have got to say, Hey, listen, this needs to change. This needs to change. This needs to change. Or I'm not competing. Like, right. That's just the way it is. And that's also yeah. one of the things where maybe five, six, seven years ago, these were just everyday people who had full-time jobs that were doing this as a hobby. Now that's not the case. Things have changed a lot for the better, I think, for the sport because you're getting athletes that are putting full-time, you know, making this a full-time job and whether you want to say – but they're professional athletes. They are going. They're trying to make a living, and you're right. I do believe that the thing they released a couple weeks ago with the payments and all that, yeah, it's universal through all the – I get that, and that's something that needs to be there. But when the sanctionals were happening – you had Dubai that was paying out, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars per division. Like they were right. giving out money like it was candy and people, yeah. but you also saw the field in that event and it was the top CrossFit athletes in the world. Absolutely. It doesn't matter where they were from. They were going there because they knew it was going to be there. Wadapalooza, same way, a big, big purse. I mean, 30 grand is no nothing to, to frown upon for right. an individual win. So I think when you look at this and I'm like, $5,000. Yeah, to a lot of people, that may be something. But that may not even play, pay for a plane ticket to the CrossFit exactly. Games. And that's why I had such a big problem. And again, I could go on my soapbox, and I talked about this so much a couple of years ago, when the national champions, in theory, that's a great thing to have. I, I love the inclusiveness to having all these national champions. But to have them spend all their money, to not really get much in return, have them spend all their money to come to Madison, to come to the United States, to do all the what they needed to do, to only be cut after one day? Like, they just spent thousands and thousands of dollars that most likely you're getting a piece of in Madison because you're, you know, you're hosting that. Right. And that just kind of bothered me because I was like, you've got these athletes that think it's a big deal, but they're having to fit the bill for everything. Yeah, without question. And, I think that yeah. was, I, I think that was kind of one of Greg's insane ideas. Yeah. I, I don't think that came from Dave, right? Um, but I, I think what we saw, I, I think what we saw with sanctionals was a really good start to what could have been a model very similar to the PGA, team, for sure. Very similar to uh, the the WTA, the tennis, yeah, tennis. Oh, hundred percent. Um, and I think if they would have weeded out some of the sanctionals that listen, you, you go to you go to China and, right. and get four hundred dollars for first prize. Right, like, no, right. You can't do that. You no. know what I mean? Like, fine, have a competition in China, but the purse has to be a certain amount for right? sure. Yeah. And there, and what they could have done, in my opinion, was start to create different tiered events where you have a certain purse right. and they're worth a certain amount of points. And those points eventually are the qualifier to get to the CrossFit games. Right. Cause that's what, and, you know, for the Olympics, I mean, that's what they do for track and field and those events. I mean, they have right. different events. And if you hit a certain standard, if you do that, you qualify for this or you right. could qualify for that. And that's just more money for you to, to be able to play with. But and I think you could have done that in a way and created a system where you have, listen, you, you, these athletes are not going to compete every weekend, right? right? But they could do three to four events leading up to the CrossFit Games 100%. in a, in a seven to eight month season for right. sure. Yeah. Um, and they can make money at those events, and they could qualify for then what the Super Bowl, right? One hundred percent, right? right. Um, 
And, and the, I think that's just one idea. I, I you know, there's obviously imperfections in every model, yeah. but the problem with this model now is that you've got, you know, you've got the open, you've got quarterfinals and you've got semifinals and the payout through those three rounds is so minute right. compared to what some of these big events were doing. For sure. Um, and then, and then, you know, listen, it's great that the CrossFit games, the, the purse for the top three to top five is big. That's uh-huh. awesome. Right. But, but what about the 30 other athletes? You've got the top 30 or 40 athletes in the world that have now competed. And most of them are losing money. Going right. For sure. Like where in what sport is the 30th best athlete right, in the right, world right. losing money? hundred percent. Right? Like that's that the 30th best, the 30th best athlete in the world on the PGA tour or the tennis tour it's or making, in the NFL, or right. They're making millions of dollars. hundred okay? percent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in CrossFit, they're losing money. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it, it eventually, I hope it changes, man. I, you know, cause I really want to see these athletes get taken care of. Well, Justin, you know, before we let you go, how, what do you got coming up? I know you got the West coast classic coming up here in just a little bit. What's coming up with you? Anything special that you want to kind of talk about? Yeah. So aside from West Coast, obviously, um, you know, we we just started our our online program, uh, Underdogs Athletics, which yep. I'm super excited about. Um, we have our we're in the currently in the middle of our first our first cycle for our competitor program. Yeah. Um, we've got our second eight week cycle starting after uh, West Coast Classic. A awesome. Week, a week after, so we're going to be publicizing that. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be announcing. Uh, we we've now brought in a, a couple of, of coaches, also, awesome. at, you awesome. know, which is going to be awesome. Uh, and we're going to be increasing our individualized coaching. Uh, and uh, so I'm just super excited about what we're doing, and and I'm hoping you know more and more people will jump on board. The athlete family we have right now is amazing, and we're just building the athlete community. Uh, so people can find that on Instagram at, at Underdogs Athletics. Okay. And, uh, and aside from that, man, you know, just uh, can't wait for semis. Can't wait for uh, for West Coast, and you know, really excited about showcasing what these athletes have been working on. And you know, it's it's going to be an exciting end to the season. If there's an athlete out there that may be kind of on the brink of wanting to get into competitive, how can they get in touch with you? Social media, email. How how can they get yeah. in touch with you? Uh, so uh, Justin Kotler on uh, on IG or Underdogs Athletics okay. on IG. Um, same thing, Facebook, et cetera. You know, that's the best way um, to get in touch with me. Uh, and then, uh, you know, everybody, uh, root, root for the crew out at West. For Coast, sure. Man. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Justin, thanks so much. It's always a good time to, to catch up with you. We got to do this more. I'm telling you, man, we could have probably talked for hours and hours and hours yeah, about no all things going on in the world of fitness and CrossFit and all that stuff. But we yeah. got to do this again very soon. Good luck. We'll t- maybe we'll chat before the CrossFit games after the semifinals and, and catch up there, see how things are going in Las Vegas. Justin, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, Robbie.